Psalm 77 is on page 619 of your church Bibles. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God. He will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I considered the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favourable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Thanks, Sam. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. We're really glad you're here. I'm Josh, one of the ministers here. We're going to look at this passage together now. Let's pray and ask God for his help as we do so. Heavenly Father, thank you for this part of your word. As we look at it together now, please give us understanding. Please help us to see uh, what you are doing here, to get to know you better and to be pointed to the Lord Jesus. And please grow us in prayer. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God wants you to complain to him. It sounds a little confronting, I know. But bear with me and just listen to some of these prayers. 
With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. Or how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. These prayers, they sound a little disrespectful, don't they? Maybe a little bit inappropriate, but these are actually prayers from the Psalms. I took them from Psalm 142, from Psalm 13, and from Psalm 22. But the thing is that these aren't rosy, feel-good, fake prayers. These are raw, heartfelt, honest prayers. Prayers that God has included in the Bible for us. Prayers for when things are hard. Prayers for when we are hurting and suffering. Because in our sorrow and suffering, God wants us to complain to him. To groan to our gracious God. Over this term, we've been growing in prayer together as a church family. We've seen our prayer. It is simply talking to our loving Heavenly Father. It is faith out loud. Our belief in God and our trust in Him as our loving Heavenly Father put into action and given words. We've used the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, to see our prayer can and should include praising God, confessing our sin to Him, thanking Him and asking Him for help. But this morning we're going to look at another kind of prayer. We're looking at lament. Lament is pouring out our grief, our sorrow and hurt to God in all its raw passion. It is complaining to God about the hurt in our lives and the brokenness of our world and calling on him to act. Now, I actually think this is a kind of prayer that is mostly forgotten these days. It is the very opposite of keeping a stiff, a stiff up, <laughs> you know what I mean, a stiff upper lip before God. It is the opposite of the old Presbyterian stereotype of letting your intellect and your good theology override your emotions. This is prayer that runs to our loving Heavenly Father in our grief to express our hurt, to complain to Him and to call Him to act. This is different to just storing up our hurt and grief in our own hearts and becoming bitter. It is different to bitterly complaining about our situation to each other. It is different to complaining to God, uh, complaining about God and his failures like Israel in the wilderness. Lament is an expression of faith because we are taking our hurts and sorrows to God himself. We are expressing to him all the hurt and grief that is going on in our hearts and we are asking him to act. Lament is faith out loud. And when we lament, we are reminded afresh of God's faithfulness and power. We're going to see that this morning from Psalm 77. This psalm shows us two things that we should do when we're suffering. First in this psalm, we see that we should look up and groan. That's what Asaph, the author of this psalm, does. 
Asaph, he was around during the time of King David. He was appointed to lead Israel in worshipping God. And he wrote a bunch of psalms. But here in this psalm, he's in trouble. Things are wrong, very wrong. We'll see in a few verses how severe this is for him. We don't actually know what kind of trouble Asaph is in. We don't know what he's grieving, but we do see his response. His response is to look up to God and to groan, to cry to the Lord. See it in verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. Asaph's response to suffering and trouble is to cry out to God. But this is no one-off. It's not just a one-and-done prayer. He is pleading with God, seeking the Lord. His hand is stretched out in prayer to God through the night. He refuses comfort and simple off-pat answers. He is hurting. He's hurting so much that even thinking of God is painful for him. Verse 3, when I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. See, remembering God, remembering God's word and promises, it just hurts. Because it throws into stark relief the suffering of his present. This is what lament actually is. It is a clash between our faith in God as our loving father and the hurt, suffering and anger of living in a broken world. Lament comes when these things collide. When we truly believe in God's promises and we hurt because the world is not the way it should be. So we cry out to God. You can see it in the next few verses. Asaph's grief is keeping him up at night. Verse 4, you hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Have you ever felt this? So anxious you cannot sleep. So full of grief and anger and hurt that you don't even have the words for it. That it feels as if God is keeping you awake. When the silence of the night becomes oppressive... When, as Spurgeon says, our bed becomes like a rack on which we suffer rather than a refuge. Asaph has felt this too. His response has been to cry out to God. And God has caused this prayer to be written down for us because he knows many of us will experience this too. But as Asaph remembers God and what he's like, it just hurts more. Because as he remembers how he used to praise God, as he remembers God's promises, it just shines more of a light on his present suffering. Verse 5. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favourable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. See how raw this is. Asaph just cries out to God with all of his doubts, his fears, 
and his hurts? Will God reject them forever? Is this it? Has God's never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love run out? Are his promises finished? Has he forgotten to be gracious? Has his anger overridden his compassion? We could analyse these lines. We could show how they're wrong, how God's actually faithful. But that would be to miss the whole point of this psalm. These aren't propositions to be analysed and dissected. They are the outpourings of grief and doubt and pain. Asaph is full of doubt and fear. He used to sing God's praises and declare his promises. Now his present trouble makes him wonder whether he was wrong all along. And so he pours out these fears and doubts to God himself. This is lament. The real outpouring of grief and doubt to God. Complaining to God. And God actually wants us to do that. God caused Asaph to write down this song. It's part of the scripture, which is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. This psalm was included in the hymn book of God's people Israel, the book of Psalms. For hundreds of years, God's people sang this song together. It's probably good that we don't know what trouble Asaph was in because it means we can join in the song too. And just imagine how poignant this song would have been as they sang it in exile. God's judge, they faced God's judgment for their sin. They'd been carted away from the promised land. God's presence would have left his temple. They were under his judgment. Would they face it forever? Would God ever keep his promises? Has his love ceased forever? It's a live question. Even Jesus prayed like this, sweating blood as he poured out his soul to God in the garden, in agony on the cross, using the words of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Expressing these things to God isn't disrespectful. It's not wrong. It's encouraged. In fact, this is the right response to our hurts and our doubts and our fears and our anger and sorrow to the brokenness of our world. You see, when we come to God with our laments, when we complain to him, we aren't telling God anything that he doesn't already know. We aren't shocking God. He knows our hearts. He knows our hurts and fears. He knows the anger we feel. He knows our grief, our doubts. Now, I should say this is different to the kind of grumbling and complaining that Israel did in the wilderness. They were complaining about God. They were complaining that he had led them there to die. They wished they were back in Egypt, that he had never rescued them, that they, they didn't cry out to God. They complained about God to each other. But lament is different. Lament is coming to God with our complaints. It is looking up to him and groaning to him. And this is actually an expression of our faith. It's an expression of our faith because we're recognising that this isn't how things are supposed to be. See, this doesn't happen unless we believe in God's promises and his goodness. But because we believe in his promises, our present suffering hurts more. 
This isn't how things are meant to be. So we cry out to God about it. And it's an expression of faith because by coming to him, we are trusting him to hear us and eventually to act. We can only come to him with these things if we actually believe that he is our loving father who hears us and who will answer. That he cares about the deepest hurts and fears of our hearts. This is a real relationship with God. One that doesn't just put on a happy face, wear a mask and pretend things are okay. One that doesn't pay lip service to God while inside we are grieved and angry. A real relationship with God expresses to him the real things that are going on in our hearts. And he wants us to do that. He invites us to. It's why these things are in the Bible. So that brings us to our prayer tip for this week. It's an obvious one. When you hurt, groan to God. When you are angry, sad, doubting, fearful, anxious, grieved, confused, uncertain, depressed, worried, whatever it is, talk to God about it. You don't have to dress it up in churchy sounding language. You don't have to wait until you've got all the answers and things are sorted. You don't have to wait until you can put it nicely. In your anger and grief, pour out your heart to God. In all your passion and sorrow and hurt. He invites you to. He can handle it. My wife Jess is a very passionate person. She has a strong sense of justice of right and wrong and she gets fired up sometimes she rants at me about the anger and hurt and frustration that she feels about something and rightly so and you know what I don't handle it very well at all her passion makes me uncomfortable I squirm I try to downplay it I play devil's advocate I can't take it I don't recommend any of those strategies But our God is not like that. He doesn't shy away from our passion and our hurt. Our anger doesn't make him uncomfortable. We're not telling him something he doesn't know. He invites us to come to him and to express it, to pour out our hurt to him. So do it. This week, maybe this afternoon, when you hurt, groan to God. But thankfully, that's not where this psalm ends. It doesn't just look up to our gracious God and groan. We see from this psalm that we should also look back and remember. Most of the laments we have don't end simply with expressing doubts and sorrow to God. They also remember God's faithfulness and goodness even in the midst of the pain. And that's what happens here too. Verse 10. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember your wonders of old. I will wonder, ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. See, there's a turning point here. Asaph's circumstances haven't changed. He's still in trouble, but his perspective has changed. He appeals to and remembers God's faithfulness in the past. Verse 10, it sounds a little strange, but, what he's saying, but that's what he's saying. He's appealing to the years in the past when God has used his power, his mighty right hand, to rescue his people. 
He will remember his wondrous works in the past, his mighty deeds to save his people. And as he looks back and remembers, this changes his perspective. It reminds him who God really is. Verse 13, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. See, Asaph sees again God's holiness. As creator and king, he is set apart from his creation, separate and different to us. And that means he's also set apart from anything evil or sinful. He's perfectly good. Asaph sees God's greatness. He is the God who works wonders, who acts with mighty power and shows his might to all the nations of the earth. And God doesn't just do that through creating all the world. He uses that power to redeem his people and rescue them. You can see Asaph's perspective shifting, even in the words he uses. In the first part of the psalm, Asaph can only see himself and his own suffering. In the first six verses, he uses the words I or me 12 times and speaks of God only six times. But from verse 13 to the end, his perspective is totally shifted. He doesn't mention himself at all, but every verse addresses God and describes his power to save his people. That's what lament does. Taking our suffering, our grief, our pain to God changes our perspective. God doesn't promise us instant answers or resolution to our promises, but we are reminded of who God is and what he's done. For Asaph, the absolute greatest example of this is God's rescue of his people from Egypt in the Exodus. That is the great act of Old Testament rescue and salvation. And the climactic moment of this rescue was the crossing of the Red Sea. Remember, God had just waged war against Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt with ten plagues. Pharaoh let God's people go, but had second thoughts and sent his army after them. And here God's people are, camped beside the sea, surrounded by the enemy army about to be destroyed when God made a way for them through the sea. They crossed on dry land, but when the Egyptians followed, they were drowned. That's what Asaph pictures from verse 16. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder, your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. How does Asaph know God will be faithful? Because he has used his mighty power to rescue his people in the past. He has rescued them before. He is able to do it again. Our God, He is the one who makes the waters of the sea tremble in fear, who commands the wind, the thunder and the lightning. The whole earth trembles when he acts in power. In the ancient Near East, the waters were also a symbol of chaos. Yet God is victorious and powerful even over the forces of chaos and destruction. 
But he doesn't just use his power and victory over his enemies. He also uses it through ordinary means and ordinary leaders to care for his people. Verse 20. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. After all that has happened in this psalm, this verse seems pretty anticlimactic, right? There's no resolution to Asaph's problem. We're left wondering. But Asaph has had his perspective changed. He ends with simple trust that God cared for his people in the wilderness through ordinary means. He will also care for Asaph. He ends with resting in God's faithfulness. See, Asaph, he looks back on the greatest moment of rescue and salvation in the Old Testament. And he's left remembering and resting in God's care for his people. And this psalm is a reminder for us too. When we're suffering, we can and we should look up to God and groan. But we can also look back and remember. We've got even more reasons or even more things to look back and remember than the Exodus. You see, the Exodus was pointing towards an even greater rescue that God would accomplish for his people. A greater rescue from slavery, a greater rescue from the enemies of God's people, a rescue from all the forces of chaos and evil, ultimately a rescue from the power of death itself. See, the Exodus was only ever a shadow of the greater rescue that God has accomplished for us through Jesus. We look back and we remember that God sent his own son to take on flesh, to be born as a helpless and vulnerable human baby, to be tempted in every way as we are, to endure hunger and sleeplessness and suffering and pain, even to go to the cross taking on himself the punishment that we deserve for our sins, so through faith in him we might be forgiven. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again in victory on the third day, conquering Satan, sin and death, vindicated as a glorious risen king. Through faith in him, we don't just have forgiveness. He has defeated our enemies so that we might have eternal life in him. As sure as he rose from the dead, we have life too. Jesus now sits at God's right hand, reigning over all as we wait for him to return and set all things right. So we wait for the day when he will wipe every tear from our eyes to bring about the new heavens and the new earth where there will be no more suffering or sickness or pain and we will be with God as his people forever. We can look back and remember that for us, God even gave up his own son. He has used his power to save us even at the cost of his own son. We can be confident that he will give us everything that is good. This is our God. This is what he has done. If he has been faithful to deliver his people and keep his promises time and time again in his past, we can be confident he will keep his promises in the future. So we can look up and groan, look back and remember, and then wait for his promises. That's what lament does. It doesn't solve all our problems. It doesn't guarantee instant relief, but it does put our problems into perspective. So lament. In your suffering, 
Don't store up your pain in your own heart and become bitter. Don't whinge to others and grumble against God. Take your sorrows and pains to God himself. Be honest with him. Pour out your heart to him. In all your hurt, all your trouble, all your grief, all your anger. Don't think that you can skip that step straight to the second half of the psalm. Lament. And then let God remind you of who he is. Look up at our gracious God and groan. Look back on his mighty works and remember his goodness. And then together we look forward to when he will fulfill all of his promises. That's faith out loud. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in the midst of a broken world where there is suffering around us, there is suffering in our own homes, in our own families, and we suffer. And we cry out to you, God. We cry out to you in our sorrow and in our pain and in our hurt and in our anger, in our depression and anxiety, in our fears. Sometimes we wonder, what are you doing, God? Have you forgotten your promises? Father, when we hurt, help us run to you in lament. And we thank you that you are faithful. That you have been faithful in the past. You are faithful now in the present. And we long for the day when you fulfill all your promises and you return and set all things right. In the meantime, help us run to you to remember your goodness and to look forward to your promises. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.